your brother. Praise the Lord, everyone. Isn't it good to be in God's house this morning? Amen. It's still morning. Another minute or two. Amen. We are glad to be here. Appreciate, again, the invitation to come. And uh, we appreciate what we've heard and felt in this meeting. Amen. Enjoyed the good testimonies and the good fellowship. Hallelujah. And uh, uh, I appreciate your pastor, his good wife. Amen. As he said, we didn't know each other well, although we came from the same church, basically. But I was uh, gone when he started growing up. And, uh, but we appreciate it. But let me tell you why I'm here. Okay? I told somebody last night, I've only got so many sermons left in my throat. And I don't plan on wasting it with anybody that doesn't love the truth. Amen. I asked somebody last night, I got invited to preach, and I asked somebody that knew the person, what kind of person is this? Because if they don't love God want to stand for the truth, I'm not going. I'm not going to waste my time. Hallelujah. Well, I'm here today because I think your pastor loves the truth, stands for what's right, and has taken a stand, a public stand, for the things of righteousness. That's why I'm here. I'm behind him and his endeavor in this city. Behind this church, good to see the good brethren that are here. My good friend, Brother Hearn, uh, good to see him. Good to meet Brother Jones, and uh, good to see the, the Frost family again. Hallelujah. Uh, good to see Brother Davies. As he said, we go back a long ways. Brother Davies, our, our indiscretions are covered by time and the statute of limitations in the blood of God. <laughs> leave it right there. Hallelujah. So, we... Again, I'm glad to see all these brothers, some of that I have not met. I need to talk to Brother Swearingen. I have a funny feeling we have the same spirit. Hallelujah. Hope that don't insult you, brother, but uh, amen. I was sitting back there saying, hmm, that sounds like me about 10 years ago. Anyway, that's a long story. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm in a very difficult place today. I'm standing between you and tri-tips. So I, he was talking about a three o'clock dinner. We're going to be standing around a long time before we eat if it's going to be three o'clock because I'm not going to preach very long today if I can help it. Of course, if I get inspired sometimes, it lasts longer. But uh, you know, you know, when people say amen, I know they got it, so... If nobody says amen, I, I figure they didn't catch it the first time, so I have to go through the whole thing again. So you might all say, there, see, it's working already. Amen. And I, I got you with me already. We're in one mind and one accord. Hallelujah. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading from John chapter number 6, beginning at verse number 25. John chapter 6. Verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, whence, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that, which, that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for he hath God the Father sealed. For he hath, him hath God the Father sealed. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, 
I'm having a little trouble this morning. I left my glasses. You know, it's uh, getting old is not for sissies. So I was about to have Brother Lawrence read for me. Then I remembered he's, well, oh, you got glasses. Okay. Amen. So anyway, I, my notes are written in bigger writing, so I can probably read that. But uh, amen. We are, again, glad to be here. and We thank God for this good church. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord we felt, and uh, just everything is great as far as I'm concerned. Had a great time. Appreciate your hospitality and uh, the fruit basket. I munched on it today. Hallelujah. So anyway, we are glad for this good church. Uh, <clears throat> there lives in the northern part of uh, the United States, but primarily in Canada and Alaska, a, uh, a little wildcat by the name of a lynx, lynx. I've seen them in zoos. I've never seen them in the wild. Uh, they, they are cold weather animals. They live way up north. And uh, their anatomy is adapted for snow. They have large paws that will allow them to run on the snow. So you don't see them. Is there any lynxes around here, some of you hunters? Can you? I think they're a little farther north, all right? Uh, yeah, they're about the size of a bobcat, but they uh, have little tufts of hair in their ears, and kind of distinctive look. If you ever see one, you'll know what it is. And so these uh, these animals are uh, are uh, adapted to cold weather. They have beautiful coats because of their skin. They have been trapped by trappers for many centuries now in North America. The furs have been converted into coats and to other garments and uh, spotted. It's kind of pretty. And so uh, because of their commercial value, they have been studied uh, by the scientists. And uh, scientists have discovered that the lynx lives almost exclusively on snowshoe rabbits. It is its prime, primary, and almost exclusive diet. I think 95% of their food is snowshoe rabbits. And uh, the lynx, like most cats, are quick and agile and uh, can run on the snow. And uh, so it, winter, spring, summer, fall, it chases, catches, and eats snowshoe rabbits. That's what it eats. And uh, that's, that's fine. Snowshoe rabbits are nice and healthy. And, you know, rabbits, there's lots of them. And you know how rabbits are. And so there's, the woods are full of rabbits. And uh, so the snowshoe rabbits and the lynx have a great relationship. Amen. And uh, so they, they get along great and everything's fine. And uh, the lynx enjoys it. I mean, they, they feed their babies snowshoe rabbit. They have snowshoe rabbit in them when they're living and when they die. They got snowshoe rabbits in their belly. They live on snowshoe rabbits. And uh, that's, that's great except for reasons that are not known to science. Except, believe it or not, the cycle of snowshoe rabbits is tied to sunspots somehow. They don't know how. But about every seven to ten years, the snowshoe rabbit population collapses. They go from 50 rabbits an acre to two rabbits an acre. They don't know why. They just, they just die off. And the cycle, again, believe it or not, is tied to sunspots. Now, what that's got to do with it, I have no idea, neither does anybody else, but somehow they're connected. 
And uh, because this goes back to the 1600s, and when there's no spots, uh, sunspots, then you'll see rabbit population collapses. And when there's no sunspots, they grow back up, and then they collapse again, and then just a cycle. Well, the snowshoe rabbits have the problem, but since the lynx eats the snowshoe rabbit, when the population of the rabbits collapse, the population of the, of the lynx collapses too, because that's all they eat. If they were more adaptable, Brother Dansby, they wouldn't suffer the collapse. If they had a more varied diet, they could go on living. But because, and I'm not making any of this up. I read this in a science book the other day, a very interesting book. Because they exclusively dine on snowshoe rabbits. When the rabbits die, they die. They die. Um, it wasn't the American army or the cavalry that killed the Plains Indians, although they had wars and fighting. But it wasn't the army that killed the Plains Indians. It was the buffalo hunters, believe it or not. Because the Plains Indians followed the great buffalo herds that people thought would never be eradicated. They thought they'd be buffalo forever. They just covered the plains by the millions. People said this is a game population that could not be dented by man. But in the 1870s, they came out with a sharps rifle. And the, and the buffalo hunters learned to stay three or 400 yards away from the herd and start picking off the stragglers. You know, it's, uh, this ought to be a lesson to us this morning too. It's the stragglers that get picked off. Amen. If you want to have problems living for God, just get yourself a little distance from the church and, and, the, the, and the people of God and you'll start having problems. And so the hunters learned that if they stayed off at a distance and picked off the animals on the periphery of the herd, then they'd all stay bunched up. They'd hear this gunfire, but they wouldn't know where it's coming from. And, you know, they, they, some, every once in a while one of their companions would drop over, but they, they couldn't figure out, they couldn't make a connection between the gunfire and the, and the buffalo dying. And, and they could sit in one spot and kill five and six hundred and a thousand buffalo. And so it wasn't, it wasn't the cavalry that killed the Indians. It was these people that started decimating the buffalo herd because the Indians, the Plains Indians now, the Plains Indians, the, the Pawnee and the Cheyenne and the, and primarily the, the Sioux, the Mandan, they, they lived on buffalo. They made the hides into their teepees. They wore the robes in cold weather. They saddled the horses with buffalo hide saddles. They eat, ate the meat. They lived. They followed the herds north in the, in the, in the winter and, excuse me, in the summer and back down south in the winter. They, they lived on buffalo. And when the buffalo died, they basically died. They could not adapt themselves to the reservation and to farming. It wasn't the way they lived. And so when the buffalo died, they died. They were too closely tied to the buffalo. Everybody with me this morning? Uh, you may not shout, but I believe the Lord gave me this. I believe the Lord told me to preach this. Amen. So I want you to... Hey, this isn't going to last long, but I want you to hear this. Amen. It's, it's not... It's not the, the lynx didn't have a collapse... It was the snowshoe hare that had the collapse. But when the, the, when the rabbits died, because they were so tied to this one source of food, when the rabbits died, the lynx died. You know, uh, I was thinking the other day, every Wednesday, my wife uh, goes shopping. Wednesday is her day to go down to the grocery store. 
and uh, just she's developed this habit, and there's nothing wrong with it. I hope Jesus don't come on Wednesday, but uh, other than that, it's it's fine. Amen. Uh, but every Wednesday, she gets in the car, and she drives to the store. She goes to Trader Joe's first and gets the little specialty things that she likes to buy. And then she goes to Wally World, Super Walmart, down the street from our house, and she fills up the car with sack after sack of groceries. And every Wednesday she goes down, and that's where she buys the, her food. Uh, I, you know, and my wife is very habitual. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not picking on her this morning. So all you ladies don't go into the defensive mode. She's just a creature of habit. I know, I know where my black socks are at in my drawer right now. I know where the butter's at in the refrigerator. She just, she's orderly. She's very precise, and that's fine. Her maiden name was Schmidt. It may go along with that somehow. I don't know. But uh, uh, just Wednesday's her day to go shopping. You know, we don't have gardens anymore. We don't raise chickens. I don't have a couple of pigs in my backyard. I don't have a milk cow. I depend on the grocery store to provide me with food. If they shut down, I starve. I starve. We don't can green beans anymore. Used to in the old days. I've, I've helped my mother many years ago when I was a boy. But we don't can green beans anymore. It's cheaper to go to the store and buy them. And a whole lot easier. Amen. We, we, don't, we don't sustain ourselves. We are dependent upon our technology to provide our, our food for us. And this is exactly the place that the terrorists are trying to attack us. It's our technology. If they can stop our technology, then we starve. We starve. I asked my wife when I was thinking about preaching this, I said, baby, how long would we last on the food we have in the house? And that's assuming the electricity doesn't go off. If the freezer goes and the refrigerator goes, this would be a lot shorter. But if, if we had to live on the food that's in the house, especially this boy right here, he eats a lot. Amen. We'd last about three weeks. Then we'd start going hungry. Now, I'm sure most of you know what I'm talking about. Most of us don't live off the land. We live off the grocery store. We don't grow our food anymore. We go to the store and we buy our food. We don't go out every morning and milk the cow. We go to the store and buy it in those little square cartons. Amen. That's where we get our food. And if something happens that we can't go to the store, if we if there's a, a collapse of our infrastructure where the stores no longer have the food, then we starve to death because we are tied to this one source of food. My mother was born in 1924. In 1926, her father died. In 1929, uh, the United States went into depression. And so my mother lived in rural Arkansas during the heart of the Depression as a young girl growing up there in Arkansas. And I said, Mom, and I knew she was poor. She kept telling us how poor she was. Every time we asked for something, she'd remind us how poor she was as a girl. And she survived without it. So bless God, you can survive with what you, without what you want. So anyway, long story. But anyway, she, I said, Mom, how did you make it? How did you live in rural Arkansas during the heart of the Depression when in the big cities people were starving? In the big cities, unemployment was 50%. Well, how did you make it? How did you survive? She said, well, we had chickens. And we had us a garden. And we had a milk cow. 
And the neighbors down the road, every time, every once in a while, would slaughter a hog, and they'd give us some pork and and some sausage, and and uh, you know, we we wasn't above going out in the field and getting some poke salad. Bless God, that grew wild. Have you anybody ever ate poke salad? Hey, Amen. You must have been hungry. I tried it once, and once is enough. Hallelujah. They survived because they knew how to live off the land. They grew their own food. They had their own sustenance. But we couldn't do that today. I couldn't. If I wanted to have animals, my homeowner association wouldn't allow me. Hallelujah. We, if something happens to our technology, we, serve, we starve. We starve. I preached for an old man back in, in Mississippi by the name of Burgess. No kin to the Burgesses in Washington that were here last night because I asked him, and uh, at least... He denies it, so anyway. Uh, every time I go preach for him, he takes me over to his farm or his little some land in north Louisiana. And uh, it's kind of fun out there. It's out in the country. We're 10 miles away from a little bitty town that's about 200 people in it. I mean, we're out in the country. He has a little stream that runs through his property. And, uh, and every time we go over there, we hunt squirrel. And it's, it's quiet. It's quiet out. I mean, there's no, no lights. I mean, you can see the stars out there. It's out in the country. And it's kind of fun to go there for a while. And, and you know, every time I go, he tries to feed me squirrels. Have you ever seen squirrel? Yeah. A skinned squirrel? It looks like a rat, all right? It looks like eating rat. And then he'll eat possum. Have you had any possum? Ever had any raccoon? He has cooked a skunk or two. Hallelujah. Got to be a little careful cleaning them, but you know, skunk ain't bad, he says. And uh, there's a pond there. He can eat the fish. And You know, he'd be hard to starve out. He's got a well. He's got an outhouse. He'd be hard to starve out. Amen. He could live a long time. He'd live a lot longer than me and my wife would and my boy living in the big city because he's not dependent on Walmart to get his food. He has a varied diet. He can eat raccoon. I've never had raccoon and I'm not going to start now. I remember one time I went to Louisiana to visit my nephew and he took me to this uh, little place that he uh, had some business with and they had a they had a crawfish boil there. A big, uh, had a big tank on wheels that they pulled out there and they boiled the crawfish right on the spot and they spread these boiled crawfish out on a table in front of you, usually on newspapers, which was fitting. And, uh, he said, try them, Uncle Ray. And so I said, okay. Things got whiskers, you know. It's got eyeballs looking at you. So, okay. So I broke the tail off like he told me to do and, you, you know, if you squeeze it just right, a little chunk of meat's hanging out the front, you know. And if you squeeze it just right, you get your teeth on that meat and you pull and it just comes off in your mouth like a little popcorn shrimp. And it's, just, it's crawfish. But you know what crawfish are? They're the cockroach of the swamp, in case you don't know. And so I, I'd eaten several of them when I made the mistake of looking a little closer at what I was eating. And they had some stuff in there that looked like mustard. I said, what is that? He said, it's fat. I said, oh, no, it's not. I know fat when I see it. He said, Uncle Ray, there's some things in life you just really don't want to know. 
Well, if I'm going to eat it, I do want to know, bless God. You know, I've eaten a lot of things in my life, but if, if I have to depend on me raising my food, then I'm not going to make it. I go to the store. We go to the store to get our food. Amen. And, and this makes us vulnerable. It makes us vulnerable because if the store's shut, then we starve. Then I moved up here to Grants Pass, bless God. Boy, this is a beautiful place, by the way. Amen. You guys, you guys, you know, you're going to live here and then go to heaven. That's almost not fair. I live in Phoenix. I won't say it was hot when I left, but I saw a dog chasing a cat and they're both walking. Hot. 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 Amen. You, you might can live off the land here, but you couldn't live off the land in Phoenix. Amen. It just, it just couldn't happen. We live in a desert. There's nothing out there. There's nothing there to eat. When you have a limited diet, it makes you vulnerable. Are you with me this morning? In our scripture reading, the words of the Lord comes to us here. If you have a red letter edition, you'll see these words are in red. Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. There was a throng that followed Jesus when he read these words. Let me tell you why they were there. At the start of this chapter, the Bible said that he led them out into the wilderness and he preached to them for a while. And then he told his disciples, give these people something to eat. And there was a large number. There were 5,000 men alone that had followed him out into the wilderness. A wilderness is a place where you don't find much food. And so they, they, he told his disciples, give them something to eat. And, and uh, they said, well, what, you know, what, what are we going to do? There's no Walmart out here. What are we going to do? What do you expect us to do out in this wilderness? Yeah. Finally, Andrew came over and said, well, I got this boy's lunch. I've got five loaves and two fishes. You, know, that's, you need a truckload of food, Jesus. You need a truckload. What is five loaves and two fishes going to do? He said, give it to me. And he started blessing it. And he'd break it, and the more he'd break it, the more there was. And he had blessed it. You know what, you know what we need in oh, yes. Grants Pass and in Avondale and oh, yeah. everywhere? that we, we, we need the blessings of God. We don't need money. We don't need affluence. We don't need to have a place at the city council. What we need is the blessings of God. You know, when God blesses us, I am so sick. You know, this is my last day to preach. I am so sick of this pandering to the world and trying to gain their approval. And, and what does the World Council of Churches think about us? Well, who cares what they think about us? I'm not trying to make myself popular with the ministerial association. I heard about a church that's got a whole row reserved for the city council and the chief of police and so forth. Apostolic church. Well, I got a spot in my church reserved for them too. It's called the altar and the baptismal tank. Hallelujah. We just, oh, oh, the president may speak. Oh, the pre well, who cares? He's a drunk reprobate like all the other presidents have been. Somebody asked me if I was a Republican or Democrat. Well, it really don't make any difference because they're all a bunch of lying thieves. So I don't care. Hallelujah. I vote, but I hold my nose when I do because bless God, I know I'm voting for a no-count rat, no rat every time. 
My wife says no Democrat can be saved anyways. <laughs> you have to go see her about that. <laughs> she does have a point, I will admit, but anyway, we won't, for God's sake, we won't get off into partisan politics here, but you know, where was I at? Now I got so confused, I don't know what I'm doing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I'm sick of this pandering to big shots. We had a prayer meeting with the ambassador. He's just a no good sinner that needs to repent. So what? We had a surgeon pray through. Well, I'd rather have a truck driver than live for God. What we need is the blessings of God. We'll have all these other things added to us if we'll just get God's blessing in our church. We need to come and worship and glorify God and forget about trying to pandering to the spirits of this world. Hallelujah. So he blessed the bread. He blessed it. And when God blesses it, you know, a lot of good things happen when you get the blessings of God. A lot of good things happen when you pray and seek His face and abide in His truth. You know, when you walk in the light, good things happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I could advise a young man, if he was starting out in his ministry, going to try to build a church somewhere in Oregon, I'd say, well, the number one thing you better do is stay in the truth. Forget all this methodology, all these little tricks. None of those work. None of those are worth a dime compared to preaching the unfettered Word of God. I am firmly convinced what we need is a revelation and a, and a, and a renewal of, of doctrinal preaching. If you sing them in, somebody else is going to sing them out. If you Play them in. Somebody else will play them out. But if you preach them in. Didn't Paul said that they were begotten by the gospel? Amen. They came because they loved the truth. You know, I, I think we need to get stronger on this, brethren. I think we make a mistake when we try to win people by our personality. Amen. When they come to my place, I want them, to, they're not going to leave without hearing except to be born of the water of the Spirit. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. If they're hungry for God, they'll come. And if they're not hungry for God, I won't waste my time trying to convert somebody that don't want God. So, well, you won't get them all, Jesus didn't either. But the ones he got stayed. The ones he got loved God and loved the truth and they stuck with him. Well, hallelujah, I don't plan on saying all that, but it's the truth anyway. He prayed and he blessed. We need the blessings of God. And then they started distributing the food and you know the story. He said, gather up the, that which remain. I mean, everybody ate till they... No more. They ate till they were full. They didn't have a little scrap. They ate till they were full like I'm fixing to do in a little while. Hallelujah. I mean, more, you know, food's one of those things, like money and a couple other things I can think of. Only too much is enough. You ever notice that? Only too much is enough. Anyway, they pushed the plate back. He said, well, gather up the fragments. There'll be no waste. They gathered up, out of five loaves and two fishes, they gathered up 12 baskets. I mean, that was a miracle. That was a miracle. That was a wonderful miracle. Hallelujah. And then after the crowds had been dismissed, the disciples started across the sea. I don't have time or you have the patience to go through all of this. But they saw Jesus walking on the water, saying, It is I, be not afraid. And when they got to the far shore, that's why the crowd said, How did you get here? We saw the disciples leave without you. How did you get across the sea? And then Jesus said, You know, you're seeking me. Not even because of the miracles, but because of the loaves. 
Even the miracles didn't draw them like the handouts. Hallelujah. Had somebody call me the other day and I said, Hello, are you the pastor of the church? I said, Yes, I am. She said, Well, do you help victims of crime? I said, Ma'am, I myself am a victim of crime. I've been victimized so many times by people with their stories calling up needing help. I have been fleeced. I have been victimized. So have I. I have been mistreated. I have been done wrong by people with their stories about their transmission going out, going to see their dead sister's funeral or their mother needing some help. You know, I, I couldn't tell you the number of stories. I feel like I'm a victim of crime. Jesus said, you, not, you didn't even come for the miracles. It wasn't even the opening blinded eyes and then stopping deaf ears. You're, you're not even here because of what I have done. You're here to fill your stomach. You're looking for the loaves. And he said, you don't need to seek this bread that if you eat of it, you'll hunger again. But you need to seek that heavenly bread that, that my Father will give you. If you eat of it, amen, you'll be satisfied forever. And I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Amen. You know, you, just a little superficial relationship with God is not what he's looking for. Amen. Going to church Christmas and Easter isn't going to get the job done. He's looking for somebody that will live for him. Present your body a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Do you know what we need today in this modern church world? We need people that are willing to be servants. We've lost servitude in our churches. They come in the back door, Brother Dansby said, what can you do for me? They walk in the back door saying, what can Brown do for me? Well, instead of what can I do for God? What can I do? What sacrifice can I make? Quit living the way I'm living? No problem. I want Jesus Christ. I'm willing to be a servant. I mean, you need help around the church? Let me know, Pastor. I'm willing to start cleaning the bathrooms. You know, everybody else wants to start being assistant pastor. Then if you're not careful, it'll be pastor. Hallelujah. We've lost servitude. The concept of service. Every time I open the newspaper in Phoenix, I am amused by the religious ads. Got a good big church in our town that has this big spread every once in a while that says, we've got, we've got aerobics class, we've got daycare, we've got babysitting, we've got, we've got tea and crumpets before service. I mean, you know, underwater basket weaving, anything you want. You know, you just come, we've got everything you want. Amen. We, you know, what happened to coming and presenting your bodies a living sacrifice? Hallelujah. What happened to coming to the church and saying, Pastor, what can I do to help you? What can I do to take the burden off of you? How, how close can I live to God instead of how close can I live to the world? Hallelujah. Amen. I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds here. But I, I, I see these things and it makes me nervous. 
Amen. I want a good church. I want God to love my church. I want God to love me pastoring my church. Amen. I want us to be like the Thessalonican church. An example to all those that lived in Asia. I want us to be seen as, as a blessing. Not necessarily in the eyes of men, but in the eyes of God. I want God to see us as a part of His kingdom. Amen. 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 And so uh, Jesus said, you didn't come to serve. You came to be served. You came for and when he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you know what happened? It wasn't the right diet. They didn't like what they heard. They weren't willing to go that far. And so they departed. Jesus turned to his disciples and said, it would be a good time for you to leave too. He said, where can we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Amen. I, I'm, I'm fearful that even among us apostolic folk, we can get too attuned to only one diet. And when we don't get what we want, we don't know what to do. Amen. I've preached in churches, brother. I've been preaching a long time now. I know what I can preach to get them shouting, bless God. I know a church you preach on oneness. Any other subject, and they're cleaning their fingernails and bouncing their checkbook and, you know, wondering when, you know, service is going to be over so they can go to McDonald's. Well, you might as well say Amen. I've been in churches, if you got on their little sugar stick, if you said what they wanted to hear, and I'm talking about oneness apostolic churches, amen, they will just worship and shout and run the eyes and hoop and holler, and the minute you get off what they want to hear, amen, it's turned off like a switch. I've had them run up and shine my shoes and beat on the pulpit, and then as soon as I change subjects, they're sitting there like somebody stole the roller skates. Jesus said, you didn't come for me. For me, you didn't come even for the miracles. You came that you might get the loaves. And when he didn't preach their sermon, when he didn't do what they wanted, they hit the back door. You know what we need in apostolic Pentecost? We need a wide diet. We need a full diet. Hallelujah. We need to eat the whole roll. Amen. Every scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. All scripture is profitable. Not just the ones you want to hear. They're all profitable. Hallelujah. We ought to come to church saying, Preacher, preach it to me. I don't care what it is. I'll eat, bless God. If it's the Bible, I'll eat. I will consume what you give me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. When he preaches on oneness, we shout. Baptism in the name of Jesus, we shout. When he preaches on tithes, we shout. Hold it, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, we, we, we can shout over tithes. That's part of it too. That's part of it too. Man, you don't, you don't get to pick and choose at God's table. You have to eat everything that's set before you. And that's part of the journey. Hallelujah. I used to pay tithes. I'm, I'm not embarrassed about preaching this. When I made $1.91 an hour, the first 10% went to my pastor. And he was a millionaire. Had homes all over Feeney, uh, Bakersfield, and that didn't make a bit of difference. I didn't know it to him. I owed it to God. I was giving it to God. That's still the way that it is. Well, I'd have paid tithes if you hadn't bought those new shoes. But yeah. Well, hallelujah, glory to God, amen. God has blessed me. 
I live in a beautiful home, drive a nice car, get to go on vacations every once in a while. I think my church hates me. They just bought me a motorcycle for my 60th birthday. I think they're trying to get rid of me. But uh, I've got a cousin named Lawrence that has told me at least five times on this trip, when are you going to sell that stupid thing? Well, soon, as soon as it's worn out, I'll sell it, or at least trade it in. But anyway, that's another story. But, uh, amen, God has blessed me. God has blessed me. I've got widow women on welfare that pay tithes. Does that bother me? Not in the slightest. They're not giving it to me. They're giving it to God. I just happen to be the steward. And I don't think I'm abusing them. I've not gone overboard. I probably could buy a Learjet if I worked at it, but I'm not going to. I'm just driving a little cheap Buick. Hallelujah. It's a new one, but it's still a Buick. Amen. I don't try to abuse them, but that's not the question. That's not the issue. I owe it. I didn't plan on saying all this. I just feel like it. Amen. I'm 60 now. I get to say what I want, remember? It's easier to clean up after me than it is to change me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We better, we better get our head on right about some of the principles of living for God. Amen. You take it all or you starve to death. I don't care how good the message is. If all you eat is one message, you're not going to survive. I don't care how healthy it is. If all you want to hear is one thing, you're not going to make it. We better t- understand all the principles of righteousness. I've had people say, well, I'm not going to give up oneness. I'm not going to preach holiness anymore, but I'm not going to abandon the doctrine. Honey, when you give up on holiness, you have have abandoned the doctrine. That's a part of it. You can't pick and choose how you live for God. You live for God His way. You don't live for God your way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I looked up the other day a certain church that I had preached at when I was evangelist many years ago in the Central Valley of California. And uh, somebody told me to look up their their church uh, advertisement. And I looked it up and it says, it started off by saying, everyone is accepted. Everyone's welcome. It says you, you grow at your own rate and nothing is expected. No demands whatsoever. I took that to Bible study that night and I said, this could not be farther from the truth. Everyone is not accepted. You have to come the Bible way. Amen. You have to become a child of God. You become a brother or a sister around here. It's just not anything that says, Lord, Lord, that's going to enter in. Hallelujah. And you don't get to grow at your own pace. That's a euphemism for not growing at all. Hallelujah. Like somebody said last night, I'm going to be patient. God knows I'm the kindest, nicest person you'll ever meet. Can ask my son and my wife. They're here. Don't ask my cousin, but you know, I'm the nicest person. But I tell people when they come, am I going to have to take off my ring? Am I going to have to get rid of my TV? Sooner or later, if you stay in this church, sooner or later you're going to be like us. We're not going to be like you. We're not changing this. Sooner or later, I'll cut you some slack. I'll give you a little time. But sooner or later, you're going to be like us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And then there are the, some demands that are made on the church. There are some demands that are made on the people. Hallelujah. There are things that to be a member of this assembly, you got to do. You don't have a constitutional right to belong to this church. You have a constitutional right to worship God the way you want to, but you don't have a constitutional right to belong to this church. If you belong to this church, you've got to abide by the rules of this church. People confuse that something. Well, you can't tell me what to do. Oh, yes, I can. I pay people tell me, you can't run me off. You watch me. You watch me and see if I can't. I had an old boy come one time that had split one of my neighboring pastor's church years before, and he showed up one Sunday morning. I really didn't know him. I'd seen him a couple of times, but, you know, I'm forgetful. And, but one of the saints in my church said, you know who that is? I said, no, who is that? that that's so-and-so. I said, Really? Are you serious? Are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. So before church, I went back and I sat down next to him. And I said, is your name Greer? And he said, yeah. I said, didn't you go to Brother So-and-So's church a while back? He said, yeah. I said, will you do me a favor? He said, what? I said, will you get out of here and not come back? I'm supposed to want that reprobate in my church? I'm supposed to, oh, you sweet, God loves your little soul. God don't love him. He hates everything that's righteous. Now, you don't go to Avondale, so don't worry about it. Hallelujah. My church loves me, believe it or not. Amen. They haven't voted me out in 24 years. They haven't even voted in 24 years, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, will you do me a favor? Will you get out of here? He said, I don't have to leave. I said, you wait and see. The judge is a friend of mine. I live in a small town. It may be on the edge of a big city, a small town. I'll have you in jail. And you know what the best bluff is? Don't bluff. He said, hmm. Stomped out. Dust. I noticed he stomped his feet, got the dust. Fine with me. Hallelujah. We do have some demands in our church. If this hurts your feelings, you just be glad you don't go to Avondale. We'll both be glad. Hallelujah. If this hurts your feelings. Hallelujah, glory to God, amen. Are you glad for the Lord? I'm glad that God has restrictions. I'm glad just anything can't run with God's bunch. I'm glad that God tells us what we're going to do. He tells us how we're going to live. He tells us how we're going to dress. And if you love God, you love that. It's not something you push back and say, I don't want that, I love God, but I don't want holiness. You cannot love God and hate holiness at the same time. It cannot be done. If you love God, you love everything about Him. If you love God, you love His Word. You love His Spirit. You love His songs. You love His Gospel. You love holiness. You love the pastor. You love tithes. Everything tastes good to a child of God. Everything is a good meal to the children of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. And this is exactly, stay with me just a little while longer. It's not even one o'clock Amen. This is exactly where Satan attacked Job at. When the sons of God came and Satan came also, God said, have you considered my servant Job, devil? He's perfect. And God defined the parameters of perfection. He said he hates, he loves God and hates evil. That defines perfection in God's Man. He said, well, now listen to this. No wonder he loves you. Look how rich he is. 
The only reason he's living for you is his affluence, his blessings. That's the only reason. God said, really? Let's find out. And the Bible said that when Job was walking down the road one day, a servant came and said the Sabaeans came out of the wilderness and took the sheep and they're gone. While he was yet speaking, all the servants are dead but me. And while, another, while he was yet speaking, another servant came and said, a fire fell from heaven and killed all the cattle and all the servants. I'm the only one left alive. And while he was yet speaking, another servant came and said, the Chaldeans came and stole all your camels and all your donkeys and they're all gone. Kill all the servants, and I'm the only one left. And while he was speaking, another one came and said, The wind came out of the wilderness and smote the four corners of your house. Your house cleft, and your, and your seven sons you, and, your, and your three beautiful daughters are dead. And all the servants are dead. And I'm the only one left. And in a moment of time, in no longer time than it took me to tell it, Job lost everything he had. Would you see his greatness? Would you, want to, would you like to know why? His book is in the Word of God. Would you like to know his na- why His name is written in the stars? Here it is right here. He said, God hath given and God hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. I'm not living for God because of what He gave me. I'm not living for God because of the amount that I've got in the bank. Oh no, I'm living for God because He's God. I'm living for God because He's righteous. Amen. And what I've got or what I don't have does not enter into the picture. Amen. Amen. The devil came back and said, well, I was wrong on that first one, but touch his flesh. You know, everybody's touchy about that. God said, all right, just don't kill him. And he was smitten with boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. His own wife said, why don't you curse God and die? His three comforters, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Abihu came. For three days, they just shook their head. Boy, they were comforting, weren't they? His comforters. They were comforting, just shook their head. And then when they did open their mouth, they said, you had it coming. It's about time God got you. I knew God wasn't going to let you get by forever. I knew God, God ain't going to let you. You know, that's what they said. They said the curse causeless does not come. It's the hand of God. Somewhere in your life, somewhere you did wrong. Even his comforters turned against him. And in all of this, Job cursed not, nor charged God foolishly. Amen. He didn't live for God just for one reason. I've known folks to quit church when they didn't get to marry who they wanted to marry. I've known quit, people quit church when they didn't get to teach the Sunday school class they wanted to teach. I know a church, and I'm not making it up, where a couple of ladies were fighting over the organ bench. And when they neither one got it, one quit God, and the other tried to commit suicide. I'm not joking. If that's what you're living for God for, you're going to starve to death. If that's all you're here for, you're not going to make it. Amen. You better walk through the doors seeking to, wanting to praise God and to glorify Him. And whatever happens, happens. Whatever comes my way, comes my way. Paul said, I know how to abound. And I know how to be abased. I know how to live for God when they're patting me on the back. And I know how to live for God when they're stoning me. I know how to rejoice when things are going good and I know how to rejoice when things are going bad. Hallelujah. We better learn to just live for God. Just love the Lord. Hallelujah. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, What shall I do? What do you want me to do to have eternal life? Jesus said, Well, don't kill, steal, commit adultery. You know know what the Bible says? Well, I've already done that. I can say amen to the sermon so far. No problem so far, preacher. Jesus said, All right, you really want to be perfect? Do you really want to live for God? Then yes. so what you've got, give to the poor, take up your cross, follow me, and you have riches in heaven. And he heard something he didn't want to hear. Right. He heard a sermon he didn't want to hear preached. Right. Yeah. 
And the Bible said he departed. I've heard a lot of people say that was Joseph of Arimathea. We don't know that. We don't know that. It might have been and it might not. He might have left and stayed gone. I've had people come, Brother Dansby, that I wanted to live for God so bad. And they just couldn't pay the price. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. We better love God and every part of Him. We better love His truth in every facet of it. There better be nothing come our way that we won't take. I heard Brother Mefford preach a few months ago in, in Las Vegas at their anniversary service. And he said, you know, God's table has got holiness, judgment, justice, love, grace, and mercy. It's all on the table of God. And you don't get to pick what you take. You take it all. When it's time for judgment, you just say, thank God. Teach me this lesson, Lord, and I'll try to live right. When mercy comes your way, you can rejoice and say, thank God. You don't get to choose the way you serve the master. He chooses. He chooses. Hallelujah. If I would have told people you can do what you want, I'd probably have a big, well, I don't know that that's true. I might have a bigger church, but I wouldn't have one worth pastoring. Amen. We don't serve. We don't choose our own path. God chooses it for us. When we become a servant of God, that defines servitude that we do what the master wants us to do. Which one of you, after working in the field, Jesus said, when you come in, the master doesn't serve you. He says, no, go wash your hands and serve me. I've been sitting around the house all day with my feet up on a coffee table reading a magazine, but that don't make any difference. I'm the master and you're the servant. And after you've worked in the field and after you've come in and served the master, then you still say, I'm an unprofitable servant. That's in the Bible, in case you haven't read that yet. That's in the Bible. Amen. We need to forget this idea that what can church do for me? We need to come through the back door saying, what can I do for the kingdom of God? Just feed me. Whatever comes from the word of God, I'll take it. I'll eat it because if you're going to have the diet God wants you to have, you're going to have to eat the whole roll. You're going to have to eat the whole book. Amen. And I feel that there's a weakness in apostolic Pentecost. Let me close with this. I feel there's a weakness in apostolic Pentecost because we, we've got caught up in things that are too omnidirectional. We just, you know, I have preached in churches where the first chord of the organ is like the Kentucky Derby starting. Take off running, boy. Am I against running? No. I would, I would too if my knees weren't so bad. Hallelujah. If you had my knees, you wouldn't be running either. But anyway, that's another story. Man, we believe. I, I can jump. It hurts, but I do it. Didn't get a lot of air time there, but I got off the ground. Amen. I used to do better when, when Brother Davies, when we was younger, did better. Amen. But you know, you know when, you, when you come to God's house, if all you want to do is one thing, then you don't know how to worship yet. If you see only one avenue is worship and everything else is waste of time, then you're not worshiping yet because God doesn't always bless the same way every time. Every time. Hallelujah, we come just, Lord, whatever you lead is the way I want to go. Whatever you say is the way I want to go. Amen. You direct me. I don't need to direct you. You direct me, Lord. You tell me how to live and walk and act. Amen. If you have a, if you have a varied diet, you'll survive. If all you want to eat is one thing, you might die. Amen. Because that can, one thing can get shut off. 
There's days you don't feel like shouting. I'm going to close with this. If the Lord will help me. I'm giving, stand up. I'll give you hope. Many years ago in the Bakersfield Church, there was an internationally known evangelist that was going around the country. And uh, he was famous for the number of people he was praying through. I won't use any names. I'm way too kind for that. But uh, he had the habit of putting chairs out all across the front of the church to keep, you know, to, I guess they thought the altar was too oppressive or something. I don't know. Too restrictive. I had somebody tell me the other day that if I didn't quit preaching in a suit, I'd never reach some people. I need to, you know, tone down my dress so I could reach some people. Right. So what do you think about that? I said, I think they're going to hell. Right. That's what it takes for them to come to church. They just not come to church. I'm not going to wear bib overalls and, and, and broken boots to appeal to some folks. I'm not going to do it. If they can't come to church, see me in a suit, they just won't come to church. Right. The world comes to us. We don't go to them. When Paul said, I became all things, he didn't mean he didn't become a hippie to appeal to the hippies. He didn't become a drunk to appeal to the drunks. He didn't become a dope addict to appeal to those on dope. That's not what he meant. Amen. Amen. So we, we need to understand some of these principles. And I was telling you a story. Never get old, it's the pits. Hallelujah. Help me, Brother Lawrence. The chairs, that's right. This guy was going to come by. Well, what he didn't know was the day he arrived. He had been having hundreds pray through everywhere. And the day he came to our church, or immediately before that, my aunt had passed away. And she was, she was loved. Yeah, your, your mother-in-law had passed away. And she was a beloved member of the church. And when he came to church that night, we didn't feel like stomping the dust out of the carpet, swinging from the chandeliers. We could have had church, but we wouldn't. We wasn't going to have shouting church. And and he came and he took the pulpit and he got about halfway through and he said, "I just can't preach in this atmosphere." And shut his Bible and walked out. No, you don't. So, you know, every service is not a shouting service. That's what I'm trying to get at. Circumstances can dictate a different way of worship. We should always worship. We should come to God rejoicing, but not always the same way. If all you want to do is one thing, you, you are vulnerable. You are vulnerable. We better worship God however He leads. We better eat every scripture that comes out of His Word. We better love everything that God has to set before us. Would you worship God with me right now? My God in Your name! My God in Your name! Hallelujah, 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 Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Sing it with me this morning. Only He can take your heart and make it whole. He'll give you peace you never knew, love and joy and heaven too, for only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus 
can satisfy your soul and only he can take your heart and make it whole he'll give you peace you never knew love and joy let's worship him and heaven too for only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Let's worship Him tonight. Why don't we just reach out to Him wherever you are? Only We've got time to worship Him. We've got time to feel after Him. Hallelujah. We've got time to love Him this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. For only Jesus can satisfy. Hallelujah. Let's love Him as we sing. Let's keep our mind on the Lord. It's still early today. We need the move of God. We need the touch of God. We need the presence of God. Hallelujah. 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 If you're here today and you feel like coming to the altar, this altar's open. If you're here today and you don't have the Holy Ghost, Amen. I'm telling you, this altar's open this morning, this afternoon. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, yes, we do. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Or only Jesus can satisfy your soul this morning. Hallelujah. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I worship you today. I worship you today. Hallelujah. 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 Whatever you want, God. Whatever you want out of me, God. Whatever you ask for today, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Sing it one more time. For only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And only He Hallelujah. Change your heart. And make you whole. And make you whole. Hallelujah. Yes. He'll give, give you peace you ever knew. Sweet love and joy in heaven too. Only Jesus. Hallelujah. And your soul. Several years ago,
I was in Burbank, California. I'll never forget a message Brother Phil White preached, and I've preached some of it. I, anybody knows me, I don't know anything about music at all. I don't know one key from the other. I can't play an instrument. So I'm just taking the, his word for it. He doesn't know music either. But he preached on the seven keys of worship. He talked about seven A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I think there's seven there. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah, seven. And uh, he said, in the word of the Lord, he said, involving worship, there's seven different meanings to worship. His point was when the conductor of the orchestra calls for A, we better respond. When he calls for a C, we better respond. We don't play our own. We don't do our own thing. I'm telling you what we need today, church, we need the whole counsel of God. Amen. We need the whole, Brother Hearn says it this way, we need the whole enchilada. Hallelujah. We need the whole counsel of God. Amen. We come to church sometimes and we don't feel like certain things or doing certain things. But I'm telling you when God says, I won't be. You know what? We better have the spirit of a servant. Forget about self. Forget about ourselves. And understand, hey, he's the one calling the shots. Hallelujah. When he calls for a key, amen, I want to respond, Brother Brown. Hallelujah. Amen. Because I'm telling you, I want to go to heaven. Amen. And my, my, my getting to heaven, amen, depends on my response to the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I love him. And I want to please him. I want to sing this song one more time. Everybody in the house, if you will, just close your eyes and let's sing this as a prayer to Him. Amen. Let's sing this as part, uh, amen, of our hearts, saying, God, I need you today more than I've ever needed you before. Let's sing it, Brother Jensen, if you would. For only, only Jesus can satisfy your soul and Sing it again. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. I need Him today, church. You need Him today. Hallelujah. 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 And make you whole. 
Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just keep our mind on him for just a moment, church. He deserves our worship. He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise.